How are we doing? Pretty good? I just love being here with you guys. Just have to say that. Our um, next, our gospel text for this morning comes from Luke 13, verses 10 through 17. Hear a word of God for the people of God. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowds, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things Jesus was doing. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, Sabbath, I think, is a kind of antiquated word for a lot of us today, isn't it? And as an activity, I think it's something we often practice, fewer of us even practice regularly. If you are familiar at all with this concept of the Sabbath, it's probably because, like me, you either grew up in a Christian home where Sundays were referred to as the Sabbath day or in a Jewish home where from twilight on Friday to twilight on Saturday, Shabbat was the only thing on the agenda. If this is you, then you can probably recall an expectation on that day to stop, to stop the normal work week routine, your task lists, your chores, and to do something different for a while, to do nothing, perhaps, except maybe sleep, eat a good meal, spend time with family, attend worship somewhere, to rest. Maybe you loved it, maybe you didn't. It sounds pretty good right about now, though, doesn't it, for most of us who are battling overscheduled lives in a culture of endless activity? Well, despite its foreignness to us today, the word Sabbath is literally all over the Bible. It shows up in three of the lectionary texts assigned for this morning, in almost 200 places in the Bible overall, and it is introduced to us at the very beginning. The word Sabbath means literally to cease activity, and at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 2, which we read for this morning, after the world was created, this is exactly what God does. God stops. After six busy days of working and creating, God takes the seventh day to rest. And some people who study these sorts of things even say that the story might imply that God also invites everything else to do the same. Before anyone had any want or need of a break on this first full day of creation, before anybody could earn any paid time off, 
God just might invite them to take it anyways, to stop and look around and smell the roses. We see Sabbath show up in Exodus and Deuteronomy and the Gospels. The people of God are given a command to stop one full day out of their week and rest, even to give their slaves their animals, and the land that they grew food on that time to rest too. The Bible seems to take a megaphone to this word. It's trying to tell us perhaps that something is important about it, maybe even life-altering. But what? Well, in the season that many of us are in right now, when maybe some of us are trying to eke out the last precious moments of fall, summer weather before the fall hits, or when we're preparing to return to our busy routines, or maybe we're starting new ones. Maybe you've already looked at your fall calendar and you were already ready to crawl into a dark hole and hide until after Halloween. I know a little of what that feels like, but it seems appropriate to us right now to take a few minutes and maybe think topic that so closely relates to that coveted thing we all know deep in our bones we desperately need. Rest. But what is Sabbath really? This is the thing I wondered about all week, the thing I was a little confused about as I read our gospel passage for this week, because despite what the Bible may say in all sorts of other places about Sabbath keeping as being putting a necessary pause on endless activity, Jesus doesn't seem to want to stop here. There are at least 12 stories in the Gospels, this one included, where Jesus does not stop. He does the opposite of stopping on the Sabbath. He heals. And when the other religious leaders actually try to observe the Sabbath in the traditional sort of way, something about it does not sit well with Jesus at all. So what is the Sabbath then? Is it rest or work? Is it about personal rejuvenation or some sort of communal transformation? On the Sabbath, are we being asked to take time out for ourselves? Or like Jesus, are we supposed to be dedicating our time to someone else? And if it's the latter, can we really consider that rest? It seems like this could be at least one of the questions rattling around in the mind of the religious leader in our story for this morning. After Jesus heals a woman who's been, heal, or who's been crippled for 18 years, the religious leader turns to a crowd of onlookers, all of them probably needing healing in some way, and he says, now, wait a minute. I am all about healing. I've dedicated my life to this, but before you all start getting any ideas... We have rules. Six days we're here, healing people, doing the work of healing. But this is the Sabbath day. And on the Sabbath day, we take a break. I take a break. Your healing can probably wait till tomorrow, right? I mean, it's been 18 years. And while this may seem a little unsensitive, I do have to wonder if whether we like it or not, we can resonate a little with this guy. We can empathize. How many of us have ever caught ourselves getting frustrated that our constant doing for others has left us with very little downtime, actually contributes to the rat race of life that we are on? How many of us are fighting compassion fatigue right now? 
We feel like there's so much need in the world that we have to tune it out. We have to turn off the news. We have to hide from our relatives who like to talk about the news. We have to subvert our eyes from the guy who's ringing the bell for the Salvation Army after we come out of the grocery store. We avert our eyes and scurry past him and wonder why it seems like so much mental energy just to look up at him in the face and just say, no thank you. How many of us are, find ourselves super attracted right now to some of those trending practices? Things like yoga and meditation and certain diets and supplements and essential oils. Actually, most of these are very ancient practices that can potentially be helpful, but our culture has this way of trivializing them, right? Into this attractive, quick fix kind of thing, claiming that the right concoction of those things will help us squeeze in the me time that we need. I actually saw an advertisement just this week for a 30-minute yoga session that went something like this. Are you on the go? Do you not have time for a full 60 minutes? Well, get centered and find your inner peace in under 30. Now, my second thought, true confession, was to laugh at this, at its deep irony, but my first thought was, hmm, peace in under 30 minutes. Where do I sign up for that? I wonder when those classes are being scheduled. In this culture of ceaseless activity, though most of us don't take it, We all know deep down that we need to rest. And under these busy conditions, we, I think, are tempted to hear the Sabbath command as being mostly about that, about us, about a commandment for the sake of my good my day of personal rejuvenation as being about my protection or my reward for all of the work I do all week. And maybe, like this religious leader, it's tempting to hear Sabbath or rest as another formula to follow that will help us manage the relentless pace of our lives the other six days of the week, maybe even make them more productive in the long run. How many of you have ever heard of or played the game Sims? Any of you? Yeah, some of you know. So um, it's a pretty simple game. I've never played it, but I can explain it to you. Basically, you build a world, and you've got people that you create and control, and your job is to keep them from dying, basically. With the right concoction of food and sleep and work and play, you can keep them alive. You can make them thrive in productivity. That's the whole point. But get the formula wrong, and their lives collapse into the state of deep disrepair faster than you can snap a finger. And I bring this up because I feel like this concept of this game is eerily similar sometimes to the ways we train ourselves into thinking about the goal of our own lives and the purpose of rest or Sabbath in them. To survive. Now, Jesus is a faithful Jew, and the Gospels talk about him getting away to a quiet place and resting sometimes, so I don't think that Jesus is disgruntled in this passage because he believes rest isn't important or a necessary part of the Sabbath equation. But he does seem to be suggesting that something about this man's Sabbath formula is missing. For Jesus... Practicing Sabbath went deeper than simply managing one's overworked life. We know this because twice in the text, 
Jesus thinks about what it means for this crippled woman to experience Sabbath, and he talks about the need to be set free. For Jesus, to practice Sabbath meant to learn a way of being in the world that actually set people free to do more than just survive, but to really live to experience rich, healthy, meaningful lives wherein at our best we know deep in our bones that our identity is as beloved creatures and our purpose in this world is to exist in beloved community within the grace of an ever-loving God. But when Jesus looked around at the world, he saw that there are things about how we live that keep us from seeing that, that keep us from being free, that keep us bound and enslaved, some people more than others, and often without any of us realizing it. There are ways we exist and ideas that we hold that dehumanize that keep us from being able to extend grace and mercy to each other, that strip us from knowing the value of our own lives and the lives of the people around us. For this woman, she lived in a society not unlike ours, wherein the more that you had or could produce, it was directly related to how much your life seemed to matter. And as someone who had no money, probably few possessions, and she probably contributed less, uh, she probably took more than she contributed in society by people's standards. So her life, according to most people, amounted to very little. Not only that, but crippled and hunched over, I bet she was easy to not see to be overlooked by busy neighbors and religious leaders and everyone. She lived in a world that had reduced her value to almost nothing, and it had been that way for so long that by this point, even she had begun to believe it, which is probably why when Jesus came to town, he had to go to her. Now, while most of us are in a far better position than this woman, maybe on the opposite end of the social spectrum, there is one thing I think we have in common with her. It's that we are all subject to a dehumanizing set of metrics that reduce our value, our self-worth, to how much we are able to achieve. Which is why I think most of us cannot give ourselves permission to stop in the first place. I've been reading a lot about company culture recently. Those of you who work in the corporate world or in nonprofit organizations, you've probably heard this term before. There's all sorts of research being done right now on how to cultivate a healthy work environment. Surprise, surprise, we learned that healthy, happy work environments make for healthy, happy people, which then feeds back into what they do. And the research says that there's steps we can all take, that leaders can take to cultivate these environments. I've learned a lot. But the most interesting thing that I have found in all of this research is actually the driving impulse behind it. It's the goal to create healthier environments for people. The reason that most companies care about creating a healthy environment for people basically boils down to the level of productivity they can get out of their workers. 
healthy, happy people generate results. And that's what companies care about most of all. And I think that when we look around, our culture sells us a false bill of goods everywhere. We are told that to be fully human, to be more satisfied, to be more whole, to find our truest selves is to produce and generate more. And we receive this message in everything that we are a part of. We are only as good as the amount of money we have, or the work we do, or the possessions we acquire, the success we gain, the accolades we are given, the activities we schedule. Our worth is directly related to the knowledge we have, and the prayers we pray, and the A's we are awarded, and the information we consume, and the stances we take, and the justice we win. Over and over again, we buy into this lie that we can measure our worth by how much we produce. And then we use that metric to measure everyone else's worth too. With this set of metrics, the value of our lives, our relationships, and our communities end up being amounted to little more than what we can uh, earn off of each other. And Jesus tells us that when that happens, we forfeit the opportunity to find real rest, to find real wholeness, to become fully alive as individuals and as people who live in community with each other. Sabbath should help us stop. It should help us pause and cease our activity, but its purpose is not to give us the right formula today to help us survive the crazy pace of our lives tomorrow. The purpose of the Sabbath is to help us see our lives more clearly, to see the lie that tells us that our lives are only as good as our GPA average, or the number of papers we've published, or the job title we earn, and to tell it no. The Sabbath is for noticing our endless activity and the fear which drives it that tells us that if we stop, our lives might be rendered worthless and to tell it no. It's to notice when we become so absorbed in ourselves, our lives, our needs, our perceptions that we flat out cannot see people beyond our own judgments and to say to ourselves, my gosh, Maybe my busyness, my blindness, my activities, whatever they are, are actually getting in the way. They're keeping me from being able to see the sacred worth in myself and in everyone else, and that's not what God intended for my life. I need to be set free. If our rest isn't inviting us to do that kind of reflection, it may not actually be as helpful to us as we think it is. And so I do hope that you take time out to rest. A few hours at least every single week. I do. I have to schedule it in like I schedule in everything else, so I make sure that I take it. It's vital for our health and well-being to stop long enough and take a breath in our very busy lives. It is a way we become a better person. I can attest to this. But Sabbath rest is also about something greater. It's an invitation to pause long enough to think about how we are shaping our lives as individuals and as a community, to ask ourselves questions 
Like, what activities am I engaged in right now that dehumanize me and the world around me? That reduce me and the people around me to the sum total of what we can produce or the advantage being offered? What might I need to stop or start doing that will help me reorient my focus to what really matters? To create a rhythm in my life where for a few hours or for one day every week I can practice living in a way that reminds me that we are all worth so much more. As we are all entering into this new season of life in various ways, there will come a moment, maybe many for each of us, when we will find ourselves wondering if we have enough time to stop our busy lives and take a break for a while. Maybe that moment will come for you this week. Maybe it's coming for you this afternoon, so get ready. And when it comes, I hope you do take it. I hope you will pause and think about what it might mean for you to live fully alive. I hope you will stop and remember that the totality of your life and the lives of those around you cannot be summed up by what is produced or achieved or completed. And I pray that you will quiet your world long enough to hear that little voice inside of you telling you that we are all a lot more valuable than that. And I hope you listen. Because Jesus seems to think that our lives depend on attending to those moments and they are getting harder and harder to come by. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we are not very good at resting. We are even worse at being able to stop and look around and see the real value of our lives and the people who share this life and world with us. God, we ask that you would help us find a new pace. that you would help us find and prioritize spaces in our lives where we can stop and remember that you have called us to be beloved creatures in beloved community and that that is all our responsibilities. Gracious God, help us to find your Sabbath rest this day. And all God's people said together, Amen.